Luke chapter 2, begin reading with verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. And this shall be a sign, uh, uh, excuse me, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want us to read 19 together. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Heavenly Father, we know that your anointing and your spirit is here. But Lord, anoint our ears to hear what the spirit would say to us today. Quicken us, change us, and be with us in the remainder of our time together. In Jesus' name, thy will be done. Amen. You may be seated in his presence this morning. I looked this word kept up in the original Greek. And it has a very, a very interesting uh, pronunciation. It, it, it soon te reo. Soon te reo in the Greek is this word kept. And in our definition, it means to preserve. It means to preserve a thing from perishing or being lost. She preserved this thing. She didn't want this thing to be lost in her mind. And so I kept on and she kept these things and she also pondered them in her heart. So I said, well, I I need to discover what this word ponder really means. So I looked it up in the Greek and it's sumbalo. Sumbalo. It means to converse. It means to bring together in one's mind to confer with oneself. Now that's interesting when you confer with yourself. You're having a conversation with yourself she's bringing it together she's keeping it and she's telling herself over and over and over again as she ponders sumbalo she's pondering and telling herself over and over and over again what is happening as we travel throughout scripture we discover that God's very passionate and very personal about his intentional pursuit with the relationship with his creation. And God's constant pursuit for that relationship, we find that God has a prescribed plan, even from the very beginning, for every single life. Nothing and no one is an accident. Can I give an amen on that? There have been illegitimate parents, but there is no illegitimate child. 
There's never been an illegitimate child and there never will be because two parents were responsible for their portion and their part in playing with given life. No one's an accident. No one's a happenstance and no one's a mistake. And while we yet have many reasons to doubt and to be filled with many questions about our own lives sometimes, let us think back and ponder just for a moment, Adam. Adam is in the garden. He's created to have a relationship with God. And things are great. In fact, Adam is walking and talking with God every day in the cool of the day, of the cool of the evening with God until sin happened. Once that happened, it changed the course of humanity for all of us. However, there's another person in Scripture I want to, I want to look to who, who had a very interesting beginning. Let's look at Pastor Moses. You remember Moses. He was the one that was given the promise of Canaan land, the promised land. He was the one that God called and raised up to lead his people out of Egypt, out of the bondage of King Pharaoh. He was a mighty pastor. He was a great man of God. Oh, the children of Israel were always giving Pastor Moses such a fifth and such a struggle. And, and oh, they were just so ungrateful. God would do a miracle like, like deliver them there at the Red Sea shore and, and destroy, destroy the army but, uh, and they would move on. But boy, it'd just be about 48 hours or so and they'd be changing their tune again. So, so ungrateful, so maligned. Moses was, was a great leader but, but Moses also had an interesting beginning. Do you realize that his mother at the age of three months had to place him in a basket and laid him there by the bulrush. And as she laid him there by the river, she intentionally took him there because she would watch that King Pharaoh's daughter would also bathe and do laundry and play there in the same river. She wanted the very best for her son, but she knew and understood that at that season of her life, she was ill-equipped to protect him and to give him the proper life that she felt he deserved. And so out of love and out of compassion, his birth mother placed him there in the river so that the cries of a weeping baby would just radiate across the, the, the gentle brooks of that river and go across to the other side and catch the ear of a young woman and they would receive him and he would be taken and he would be raised there in the king's rule and given the king's school and privileges but Moses didn't start out as a mighty man of God he started out as what the enemy would say as an abandoned baby as his mother gave him up at the age of three months listen if you've ever been given up I want to remind you God had a plan for your life all along and it's not your fault that your mother was not ready for that season of life. But thanks be to God through his grace and mercy, just like with Moses, was willingly and lovingly yet placed upon that river. And God had a better training and a better schooling for ruling and training for reigning and a preparatory stage because God had his hand on your life all along. If you've ever felt abandoned in your life, you were never abandoned. God placed you strategically in that place place uh, and he redeemed everything that the enemy tried to destroy your life with uh, because he has a great destiny and purpose in your life uh, you were never abandoned uh, you were just transitioned into a better place uh, into a place where you could survive and grow uh, you've never been neglected God had you in mind uh, all along and he made a way for you and your life can you give the Lord praise right there well let's talk about somebody else Let's talk about Brother David. 
Oh, a David was anointed to be king of Israel at the age of 12. He would end up being a, a wonderful king. Oh, he was a king of Judah first and then eventually the king of Israel. And sure, he had a progressionary journey in his faith, just like all of us do. But David was the son of Jesse. Now, Jesse didn't even want to come to the party when the prophet Samuel said, Hey, listen, God's told me that one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. I need to come out and find out which one he is and I will anoint him. God's going to use him. Do you understand that David was never even invited? His own daddy left him out of the party. Talk about being rejected. Talking about being unwelcome. His own daddy didn't even want to claim him. And the prophet comes by the oldest son, that's not him. The next oldest son, that's not him. The next oldest and the next oldest. And they go through seven sons. Goes through all the progress of procession. Samuel says, Jesse, is there, is there not any more sons? These guys are ugly jokers and they're, they're, they're not it. Do you have any more sons? Are you sure this is all your sons? Well, well, I do have David. But he's out tending sheep. He's busy. You don't really want David to come in here. Oh, God wanted David to come in there. Can I tell you, you might even been raised with a parent who didn't half want to even own you and own up to the thing. Do you realize that theologians believe that the very reason that David was never invited to the party, it's because the mother of his brothers was not David's mother. Jesse had a little mishap nobody was supposed to find out about. And then there came little David. Jesse didn't dislike David Jesse was worried about his own pride and didn't want to be embarrassed and put on display that God could take Jesse's mistake and still use it can I tell you if there's a child ever been born it's never been a mistake the only mistake was made on the parents but if God saw fit to be born it's because God's got a destiny for that life and he's looking to redeem a thing now, honor came back to Jesse's house because he was still Jesse's son. Can I tell you, the very thing you don't want to do for God might be the very thing he's requiring and he's waiting on you to say, yes, God, you can use my story. You can tell me what you brought. I'll tell what you brought me through, whatever that thing in my life. I'm willing, God, for you to use anything in my life you want to use for it's your glory and not mine that I'm after. Can you give the Lord praise right there? David. David wasn't a mistake. Scripture says that David, it's the only one in Scripture, but God said David was a man after his own heart. What do you mean, David? He was just the, the son of that mistress. No, he was the son of Jesse. And more importantly, he was the son of God. We've got to remember we're children of God. Let's go on and talk about one more. Let's talk about Mephibosheth. Oh, the Mephibosheth, at the age of five, he was dropped as a child. And as a result, his legs were crippled and he was, he was broken. And so, therefore, he, he grew up on crutches and always dragging his, dragging his feet. And, and he couldn't play soccer and he couldn't play baseball and, and, and he couldn't go on the playground and play as the other kids did. Mephibosheth had been broken because he had been dropped and, and sluggishly he tried to keep up with everybody else he wanted to be like everybody else he just wanted to be normal but somebody dropped Mephibosheth and it altered his life God however 
still used him to bring hope to all of us. Why? Because sometimes in life, you and I have been dropped. Sometimes life dropped us. Sometimes a loved one dropped us. Sometimes just a trusted friend or confidant. Maybe even a spouse or people have dropped us. But God never lets us down. And your story is still being written. That's not the end of the story, even though you've been dropped. Sometimes we get dejected. Sometimes we feel that that people have hurt us beyond repair. You hurt me and I can never trust anybody. Yes, you can. Don't believe that lie of the enemy. Just because one person was bad in your life doesn't mean that everybody's going to be bad in your life. I'm messing with somebody right there. I felt in the spirit there was a wall that went up like concrete that was three feet. Can I tell you, just because they hurt you and the last one hurt you don't mean the next one's trying to hurt you. God's trying to send you loving, trust, and good relationships to show forth the character of whom he is. And that's a God that restores. That's a God that heals. That's a God that redeems. That'll never leave you, never forsake you, never do you wrong. God wants to heal the wounded and broken areas of your life if you'll give it to him. Can you give the Lord praise and receive that promise of hope? Don't give up on all people just because some people were bad. It's really quiet in here. I must not be preaching to you. There must be somebody on Facebook watching. Don't give up on all people just because some people did you wrong. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to cleanse that hurt away, to restore and to redeem and to make new and let good people show the light and the love of Jesus Christ in your life. A lot of people prefer that we just live still broken, misunderstood. Some people will reject you and some people will will let you down, but can I tell you that's not the end of your story. Let's look at one more and we'll move forward. Jonah, you remember Jonah? Oh, Jonah, just he just uh, said he kind of wanted to follow God, but after God told him to go to Nineveh and give out a heralding call that judgment was going to come, he didn't want to do what God asked him to do. Reminds me of a lot of Christians today. Everybody wants to go to heaven, just nobody wants to go today. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, as long as it's not the nursery, children's church, youth group, young adults, or the old people. Well, who else is there, man? God, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as it's not fill in the blank. Jonah said, Lord, I love you. I believe that you're the Lord. I'll even preach, but I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going. Those people will kill me if I go. He got limp-wristed. He got yellow spine. He got weak in his faith. And what did he do? He ended up being swallowed up by the belly of a great fish. Many believe a whale. It doesn't matter though if it was a tuna. I don't care what. If you're in a fish, you are of all men most miserable. Put whatever kind of name you want to want. If you're in the belly of a fish for three days, eating junk off the ocean's floor, you're probably not having a good day. Can you imagine what his mama was feeling? Anybody seen Jonah? Anybody seen Jonah? I've called him and texted him, and he's not answering my phone. Anybody seen Jonah? Jo- jo- Jonah? I've not seen Jonah. Jonah don't come home the first night. Mama is upset. You know what it's like when your kids are out and you don't really know for sure where they are. And they're not answering your phone. Am I talking to nobody here? You know what it's like. She's worried. 
Where's Jonah? Jonah's a good boy. What's Jonah doing? Why isn't Jonah home? Why isn't Jonah answering? Second day goes by, still no word from Jonah. She calls to work. Jonah didn't show up to work. Can't find Jonah anywhere. Is he fishing? Nope, he's not fishing. I can't find Jonah anywhere. The third day comes. Where is Jonah? I don't know where to. When I get a hold of him, I'm going to wring his neck. You want to wring his neck, but you want to brace him too and show him all the love that you can. This mama's torn. She's vexed. She's torn somewhere between a whipping and a blessing. And she can't quite figure it out. She's worried about Jonah. She wants to bless him and hug him around his neck, but she wants to wear him out. Jonah, where are you? He's out there in the belly of the wheel. Finally, three days goes by, and somewhere in heaven, God must have heard a repentant cry and sent that belly of the well and have him ejected out of that on the seashore and brought Jonah back to land so that he could fulfill the call of God. Don't you know that mama was distressed when Jonah was in the belly of that well for three? day can't find her son he's not answering the call there's no email he's not even posting on instagram where has my son go she's concerned she's consumed where is my jonah can i tell you when you don't know where jonah is god knows right where he is and he might even be in the depths of of another pit or another ocean but God Almighty knows where your Jonah is. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fret. Why? Because you put the word of God in them and it will come to pass in their life. Can I get a here, mama? Give me a praise somewhere for all the Jonas in life. Notice this. Jonah rejected God's will for his life for a season. But it wasn't long. (laughs) Somebody say it wasn't long. It wasn't long until he got back on track. Now for Jonah, it was three days. For some of you, it's 13 years. For others, it might be three years. For others, it might be 17 years. But how many know that this Bible says to train a child up in the way they should go? That when they grow old, they won't depart. Some of us are just having to wait for some of them to get old. Some of them, it's just taking a little longer to grow up. Jonah, it took him three days in the belly of a well with misery and play. But you got to know this, mama. You've got to keep believing. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep decreeing the good things of God over your child. Why? We've got to continue to fight for our territory. We've got to believe it. Notice this, that Jonah wasn't rejecting mama. Jonah was rejecting God. Oh, some of you, if you'd get a revelation of that right there, it'd heal your soul right there. I'm such a bad mama. I raised them in church all my life, and they know to do better, and they won't do better. They're not rejecting you, mama. They're rejecting God. It's not your fault. Just like you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, your babies will too. And once they reach the age of accountability, but by the grace of God, so go us. They're just at the age of accountability. They're not rejecting you. They're not intentionally trying to hurt you and wound you. They're just rejecting the will and the plan of God. They already know in their spirit and in their life that they're not ready to say yes to. It's not your fault. Can I just get like a Lutheran amen or something? There we Okay, all right. Just making sure y'all didn't leave the building. Mary in Luke 1 and 2 has had her life, and as she knew it, turned upside down. Angels keep coming and showing themselves to her, telling her of all these great things, but these things are impossible. Anybody like, like me ever got, felt that you, God told you something, but you thought, nah, that couldn't be. 
Because that's just, that's just too good. That's just too impossible. That is too good to be. That's the kind of God we serve. Mary is now this. Here I am. An angel comes to me and tells me I'm highly favored of God, that he's going to give his son through me to the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing as I've yet not even known a man, but God's going to do that in me. You know what I love about good, godly mothers the most? They are often the only ones that aren't surprised when God wants to use their babies. They believe the good things in babies. I mean, your baby could be up all night, keep you up for three days with the stomach virus or with the bug or, or with, you know, at that day, what's, what's Malacon drops. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all, I should have bought stock in Malacon drops when, when Pastor Gabe was born. I mean, for we, we, we had trouble getting his, getting his milk and his formula straight. And we didn't. He had trouble. And so Shannon and I would, t- would trade off nights. She'd be up a night. I'd be up the next night. She'd be up the next night. And you know what? And, and, and kids can wear you out. But you can't convince me for one single minute. I know for this mama and I know for a bunch of you, there ain't no way in the world you wouldn't have stayed up all night for that baby. And you dare hell to do anything against that baby. You'd lay down your own life for you for that baby. I don't know where we've missed it. We've missed it and we'll give them cars and we'll give them Xbox and we'll give them the finest clothes. We'll give them $300 tennis shoes and we'll pay this and we'll do that. But we won't make them come to the house of the Lord when that's the very best thing for them. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just trying to be a relevant, real-life preacher. What we really need to be giving them is the love and the grace and the mercy, but the truth of this word. We've forgotten that. They've gotten so spoiled that church is conditional. How do you feel, honey? Will you go to church? Will you? Are you is there nobody named Will in my family? It's hurry, let's go. Don't make daddy late. Even Elijah can give me an amen on that one, can't you? It's like, it's not, Dad, are we going to church today? It's like, Dad, how much earlier are we leaving this time? How much do you have? They know I come on Sundays early. Gabe asked me about it every week. He said, Dad, how early are you leaving? Because he thinks he wants to come with me until he realizes how early I'm leaving. Even if the, they discount themselves and out of the equation, mamas don't give up on their babies. At least the good ones don't. They think their child is good enough for God to bless and use. Even if they don't think they're good enough for God to use, they'll believe their baby's good enough for God to use. Because why? We always see the innocence of the child. That's how your father, heavenly father, looks at you and he looks at me. I know they're not got it all together, but God, they're a good boy. Or God, they're, she's a good daughter. She don't have it all together yet. And I know she's got some things you need to, you need to work on with her. But, Lord, she, 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 she's a good lady. He's a good man. He's a good son. Can, you tell, can I tell you this morning, that's what your father thinks about you. That's how he feels about you because we're all God's children. I know I got some things I can help you with. But if you'll just come to the table, if you'll just come home and, and sit with it, we can talk about it and we can work this thing out. Mary believed this too. Scripture doesn't record that she believed in herself, but she did believe the angel of the Lord and told the angel, let it be done unto me as you have said. Hallelujah. (laughs) Some of you just need to let the Lord do some things in you as he says it. I can make this out of you. I don't think I really want that. If it's God's will, he'll always provide and you'll be blessed for it. Just say, Lord, let it be done unto me as you have done unto me. I'm here, Lord. I'm, I'm pliable in your hands. Do within me what you want. 
we fast forward, and as Mary has to tell somebody, she goes about this baby. Can you imagine how mother, soon-to-be mother Mary felt when an angel of the Lord says, you're going to be pregnant? And she says, how is that possible? I've not even known a man. It's the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine going home and tell your daddy that it was the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Daddy, I didn't do anything wrong. It was the Holy Ghost. You better believe it was the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in that one. Mary did that. Can you imagine how she went in humbly before her parents and had to tell her parents that God was doing something in her that even she didn't understand, but she told the Lord, okay? Don't miss that. Let me rewind. Can you imagine what it must have been like to go and tell her family that God was going to do in her thing that even she didn't understand, but it was all going to be okay. Whatever God wants to do in your life, I promise it'll be okay. Not only be okay, you'll be blessed for it. She's there. She's in this process. She's had the angel of the Lord give her this prophecy and prophesied this, this baby. Mary has a cousin named Elizabeth. Elizabeth was quite older, however. In fact, Scripture records that Elizabeth was past the years of childbearing age. You adults know what that means. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Mary gets this hunger to go see Cousin Beth. She goes to see Cousin Beth, comes around the corner, and Elizabeth lays eyes on Mary, and something inside Elizabeth leaps. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost at that moment. Woo, glory. Her response to Mary was like, Hi, Mary, how have you been? It's so good to see you. What a nice surprise. She said, Mary, you have the Son of the living God inside of you. Mary hadn't told anybody, but Elizabeth knew. Why? Because what God did in Elizabeth... He was also doing in the next generation in Mary. Can I tell you that when God does a thing in the life, he's trying to connect you to people who he's already done that in their life to strengthen you in your faith. And if God did it for them, he can do it for her. If God did it for Elizabeth, he can do it in Mary. If God's done it in Brian, he can do it in David. If God's done it for Shannon, he can do it for Bobby. God can make a way. But Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered them. And this word in the Greek, Mary said, I sit down after I see your glory and I want to keep it. I want to keep it. I'm not going to lose your word. I'm not going to lose your promise. As I see your glory being revealed and you've used my simple obedience to shine your light. And the word of God says in the King James that the glory of the Lord shone as in a light, shone round about them so that the shepherds knew where to go. They followed the light in the darkness to find the Messiah. Mary sitting there by the little baby Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes, uh, lying in a manger. And she's no longer dancing or celebrating, but she's sitting there uh, and Scripture says that she kept these things 
in her heart. And she, uh, she is preserving them. She doesn't want to lose a moment as the glory of the Lord has shown and people are coming to worship what she believed a year ago uh, all by herself and decided to trust God for. Now everybody's getting the benefit of it. Everybody's seeing. Uh, oh, if I could tell you this morning that coming in your life, there's a time and a season where the glory of the Lord is going to shine through your obedience uh, and those that are close to you, uh, those that are around you are going to come and worship the Messiah because he did it in you first. 